Well, we have President Trump's new social media executive order. The thing is a complete joke. So we will be discussing it here today with precisely as much seriousness and sober-minded deliberation as it deserves. So, cheers. Let's get to it. Hey, greetings, and welcome back once again to Categorical Imperatives. Uh, I, as always, am your host, Lockie and Liberal. I want to thank you so much for being here with me today. Now, for any of those uh, of you out there who may be new to this program, welcome. Uh, this is a podcast where we are going to be using legal theory and moral philosophy to discuss current events as it relates to various aspects of law, politics, and culture. Now, before we get into the business of the day, uh, I just want to really quickly give you guys a heads up. Uh, actually, uh, just a little later here today, I'm going to be recording another episode of the show. Uh, and this is going to be an interview uh, with Mike Meharry of the 10th Amendment Center. I I'm really excited for this. Uh, uh, really uh, kind of an honor to uh, have him on the show. Uh, so that that's definitely going to be a great episode. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, voting, and with this big uh, election coming up here in a couple months, we're going to be talking about uh, the uh, the reasons why those of us uh, who are involved in politics at all uh, solely for the purpose of moving the needle towards greater individual liberty, uh, why counting on voting for change uh, is a uh, really kind of pointless i guess you could say endeavor um and but it's not going to be all uh doom and gloom we're going to be discussing that aspect of it but we are also going to be discussing uh practical things that we can do uh within the world of politics to uh actually affect the kind of change we want to see uh so we're going to be uh, that, that should be a really uh interesting conversation uh, he's a really great guy, uh, so definitely be looking out for that. That episode will probably be up the day after I put up this one. So, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, let us get to the business of the day. So, uh, as my intro had suggested, um, my intention uh, was really to do what I would usually do when we get something like a new law or, a, in this case, an executive order, uh, and that is to uh, go through it and break it down uh, as a matter of law in a way that can be easily understood by lawyers and non-lawyers alike. Their speciality in mind. But to be quite frank, uh, this thing is a mess, and what we will mostly be uh, talking about today are the problems, uh, legally speaking, uh, that rise from this executive order. Uh, and we really are going to be uh, looking uh, at it uh, in a way as it relates to sort of larger political and social context in which it exists. Uh, so we will be going through it and I will be explaining what it says. Uh, but 
really uh, the the prime uh, thing that we're going to be discussing today isn't breaking that down. There's really not much substance there to break down. Uh, but instead, um, it's become clear uh, that, it, in short, Trump uh, and his supporters are in desperate need of a basic refresher course uh, on just fundamental basic civics. Uh, so that is mostly what we are going to be doing today. So uh, with that, let us get to uh, the business of the day here. So obviously a little background here. Uh, this all started after uh, President Trump felt disrespected by Twitter. Uh, he decided to issue an executive order that declares that Twitter and Facebook are the functional equivalent of a traditional public forum and should not infringe on protected speech. Now, the president seems to have bypassed the typical interagency review process in issuing his new rule. Uh, this means that the uh, insanely overreaching order uh, wasn't written with an eye towards conforming to federal law or to constitutional protections of speech, commerce, and property. And make no mistake, the draft order, when it manages to be coherent, is insanely unconstitutional. But uh, maybe the order having teeth isn't even really the point here. Trump's mandate might not hold up in court, but just by issuing it, Trump does send a not-so-subtle threat to Twitter. Now, uh, the Twitter, Facebook, and other internet companies, too. Uh, remember, the uh, apparent impetus for this order was Twitter, uh, Twitter posting a fact check after one of Trump's tweets. So interestingly, after years of downplaying the idea uh, that foreign actors use social media in any uh, way to attempt to influence the 2016 election, Trump now uh, somewhat opportunistically claims that the U.S. government must have power over these platforms to stop the scourge of uh, disinformation from foreign governments. But his biggest complaint is about alleged ideological biases by the private companies. Now, despite previously rallying around the rights of conservative businesses to choose who they do business with and to decline to display messages that they are not comfortable with, uh, think bake shops. Trump now says that private businesses should be totally content neutral conduits of whatever message uh, the customer wants to broadcast. And to justify his position uh, that the feds can compel companies to display messages from private citizens and government officials alike, Trump turns to a mangled conception of a federal law under Title 40 that is known as Section 230. Uh, this is the 1990 statute stipulating that online platforms and publishers are not to be treated as speakers of user-generated content, uh, i.e., if I defame someone on, on Facebook, Facebook is not on the hook for my defamation. Now, the order uh, erroneously suggests that Section 230 only applies if online companies moderate content in a way uh, that is explicitly laid out in their terms of service, uh, despite the fact that absolutely nothing in Section 230 comes close to saying this. Uh, it complains that Twitter has been restricting online content for reasons other than those laid out as the permissible reasons uh, in Section 230, Subsection C2, uh, this is the part of the statute saying that companies 
uh, don't become liable for all user content by virtue of moderating the content that is obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable. And that's exactly what I have brought up here. This is uh, from Section 230 of Title 40, and you can see this is uh, subsection C to civil liability. Uh, it just says no provider of uh, interactive computer services shall be held liable for any of the things that I just kind of laid out there. So the thing is, otherwise objectionable is a completely discretionary standard and could encompass just about anything. Now, the legal folks seem to think that this thing is, uh, besides being legally entirely laughable, is nonetheless uh, going to be a way of making Twitter and Facebook's life very difficult. So this order uh, relies heavily on the sort of conservative uh, victimhood conspiracy du jour uh, that social media companies are colluding to suppress conservative voices. Uh, as Trump put it in a tweet, Twitter is doing nothing about all of the lies and propaganda being put out by China or the radical left Democratic Party. They have targeted Republicans, conservatives, and the President of the United States. Section 230 should be revoked by Congress. Until then, it should be regulated. Now, uh, it's bad enough that the President thinks he can rewrite federal law with an executive order. Uh, this isn't a one-off, either. He has done this before when he... Uh, just for example, completely rewrote the meaning of a fully automatic weapon to include bump stocks. And he continues to make the mistake of not understanding the meaning of the laws that he wants to change, uh, and then usurping the ability to repeal or rewrite legislation, which is uh, an act solely granted to the legislative branch. And Mr. President, in case you aren't aware of this, the president is not part of the legislative branch, just saying. And really, uh, this mixture of ignorance, arrogance, and a fairly cavalier attitude towards uh, constitutional protections really poses a direct threat to the republic. Uh, and it's, it's not just the president either. Uh, we see uh, even Republicans who should know better uh, getting on board. So, uh, for example, uh, Josh Hawley has proven to be uh, a pretty helpless and self-serving senator. Uh, I just kind of want to take a little side note here uh, from me to the voters of Missouri one-on-one. -on -one. What the fuck is wrong with you? How can you guys be liberty-minded enough to choose to nullify federal gun control legislation, which is a great move, by the way, um, and then stupid enough to elect Josh Hawley uh, when he had, when you had uh, a truly liberty-minded constitutional conservative running against him in the primary, uh, Austin Peterson. Uh, he was a great guy. You guys really would have uh, done good to put him in office. So, uh... I don't know what you guys are thinking, but for shame, Missouri, for shame. Anyways, uh, long story short, while Holly is 
uh, undoubtedly a moron. Uh, he was also uh, AG of Missouri before he was elected to Congress. So he should have no problem understanding what Section 230 means. And yet, he has put out this tweet. I will introduce legislation to end these special government giveaways. If Twitter wants to editorialize and comment on users' posts, it should be divested of its special status under federal law of Section 230 and forced to play by the same rules as all other publishers. Fair is fair. Fair is fair. This is just ridiculous nonsense, and there is nothing fair about what he is proposing here. Sorry, it's just retarded. So, this is an objectively untrue viewpoint, uh, as countless booted and suspended liberal, libertarian, and apolitical accounts can tell you, uh, but even if it were true that Twitter or Facebook only took action against conservatives, uh, or if we take the more believable assertion that current content moderation policies tend to hit some political viewpoints harder than others, and that those are often conservative viewpoints, it would still not in any way fall outside the bounds of Section 230, Subsection C2, Moderation, which requires only that a moderator find some speech to be objectionable. Somehow, uh, out of Trump's several paragraphs of paraphrasing Section 230, with all his random erroneous asides, federal officials are supposed to intuit a new paradigm uh, and apply Section 230C according to the interpretation set out in this section of the executive order. Uh, the document also instructs the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, to define concepts that Trump just made up for this order and then propose ways to tell if companies are running afoul of them. Trump wants the FCC to determine the conditions under which the content moderation will be considered, quote, deceptive, pretextual, or inconsistent with a provider's terms of service. But then what? Nothing in Section 230 says a company can't moderate in ways that are inconsistent with their terms of service. And it's laughable to think that bureaucrats will be able to tell whether thousands of individual content moderators are making decisions based on the right reasons or on the secret deceptive grounds that they are laying out. Uh, the FCC is also tasked with uh, defining a bit of uh, really uniquely Trumpian gobbledygook. And the conditions under which content moderation will be considered, quote, the result of inadequate notice, the product of unreasoned explanation, or having been undertaken without a meaningful opportunity to be heard, end quote. Really, um, one of the most concrete parts of this executive order, and perhaps the only feasible part, uh, is a little bit saying that these federal agencies must review and submit within 30 days a report of the amount of money they spend on social media advertising. Uh, and it comes in a section titled, quote, Prohibit, uh, Prohibition on Spending Federal Taxpayer Dollars on Advertising with Online Platforms that Violate Free Speech Principles, end quote. Now, Insofar as this order helps keep stupid government propaganda campaigns off of social media and reduces the amount that the public pays for the campaigns, great. I fully support that by all means. Uh, alas, 
Trump doesn't really have any clue what the criteria for preventing these ads might be and didn't bother finding out whether he has the statutory authority to require this before writing the order. And he, he doesn't. <laughs> um, and it actually asks the heads of each executive department and agency uh, to independently review, quote, the viewpoint-based speech restrictions imposed by each online platform, end quote. Uh, and then to tell Trump, quote, the statutory authorities available to restrict advertising dollars to online platforms, uh, end quote. Now, the second to last part of the order is another bit that sounds vaguely weighty, but is actually just a bunch of big words strung together in a way uh, that might fool random Trump fans into thinking he's taking action. Uh, after all, Trump does have the best words. He has said so himself. Uh, he declares that Facebook and Twitter are, quote, the functional equivalent of a traditional public forum, uh, which essentially means that they are the functional equivalent of government property. But, of course, Trump has no authority to simply seize private companies via executive order. And even if he could just declare that Twitter and Facebook were the digital equivalent of the National Mall, this would mean that government actors would face uh, serious hurdles to restricting speech on them. The bottom line, unless government officials are going to completely take over Twitter and Facebook content moderation, invoking public forums here is just bluster. Ultimately, the order's lack of standard review very much shows. It seems the White House apparently didn't consult with the uh, Federal Communications Commission about the order, uh, which would mean it did not, as I mentioned a little earlier, go through the standard interagency review process. And it is worth remembering that prior White House attempts to draft an executive order targeting social media companies uh, that the FCC and the FTC, which are led by Republican chairmen, privately pushed back on being deputized to police political speech on social platforms. And much of this could quickly get bogged down in the thicket of constitutional questions. Uh, just for example, uh, even though he is instructing the FTC on uh, how to do this, the FTC reports to Congress and not the White House. All right, and here's where we get into our little civics lesson for the day. Something that is by no means a new phenomenon, but which I think has been escalating lately uh, in the, uh, this sort of politics as team sport. is that Democrats and Republicans both uh, have begun to use uh, the terms, or, or increasingly using the terms constitutional to mean every opinion or political prefer, uh, preference that I subjectively prefer. Just as they are using the term unconstitutional to mean everything that I subjectively dislike. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Or, uh, of course, uh, to use these terms as a cudgel to attack any position that the other side takes. 
Uh, the difference is, uh, while both sides use these two well-defined phrases as a matter of meaning personal preference and as a contradistinction between the two parties, that uh, Republicans seem to be the, the side that generally paint themselves as the defender of the Constitution, uh, that they are the ones out there who, uh, as a matter of principle, are on the side of trying to continue uh, to forward a truly constitutional government. Uh, and that's what makes this move by Trump's executive order and those people supporting him for this executive order so perverse uh, is that they are wrapping this up in uh, very specific constitutional principles, calling this a defense of free speech or a protection of the First Amendment. It's nothing of the sort. This really turns everything they claim to believe on its head. If we actually live in a society in which there were no consequences for saying something, that would make speech literally inconsequential. And pushing back against political correctness in the name of free speech isn't just an absurdity where liberty requires coercion, which is, you know, the opposite of liberty. Uh, but I think uh, it actually even does enormous damage in the case against PC culture. Uh, and what's more, it's not even that the supposed champions of free speech are seeking the elimination of taboos and informal pressures against speech as their rhetoric would suggest. They are just trying to create different ones. There is a conservative PC culture as well. Uh, I tend to refer to it as patriotic correctness. Uh, the worst of this, for those of you old enough to remember, was what came immediately in the wake of 9-11. But just because the new Trump era of conservatives have shed some of the hawkish neoconservative overtones of their predecessors doesn't mean that they've shed the double standard. I'm sure many people probably remember when Trump uh, on last flag day said... I'm all in for Senator Steve Daines as he proposes an amendment for a strong ban on burning our American flag. A no-brainer. And uh, while, in fairness, uh, many Republicans did uh, bristle at the suggestion, uh, for every one of those, there is also another one out there who would say something like what Candace Owens said. If I were president, the punishment for burning the U.S. flag would be the renunciation of citizenship. No jail time, no fine, simply one year to liquidate your assets and get the hell out of the country. In exchange, we'd extend citizenship to hard-working legal immigrants. These are people who are all too happy to call for censorship of free expression, and not just that, but do it outright through the legislative process and government coercion, which is the hallmark of de facto free speech violations, which is, as I say, uh, uh, de facto free speech uh, is free speech as it is defined in the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of uh, speech. Now, using the government's monopoly on the use of force to prevent free expression, especially free expression critical of the government is uh, at the heart 
of the First Amendment and of free speech. Uh, these people are not protecting speech. They, I mean, it, it just obviously on its face, whatever you think of flag burning, it is an act of political expression and expressing dissent with your government. Um, and though I don't like relying on saying that, you know, the Supreme Court said this, so it must be constitutional. They get things wrong a lot, but this is what the Supreme Court has in fact ruled. Uh, so the standard uh, Republican talking point uh, on this right now that we're hearing is that affixing fact-checking links to tweets makes Twitter a publisher uh, of a plat instead of a platform or a forum. It might make uh, for an interesting semantic distinction, but the legally significant issue is whether Twitter is the speaker or the creator of Donald Trump's tweets. If not, it's not legally liable for them. The same goes for every other user of Twitter, too. If you're thinking, but, 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 what about when Twitter creates a fact-checked link and presents it after a user's post? Courts have routinely ruled that a digital company's decision about how to present content or what content to present at all do not transform it into the speaker of user content. So, should social media companies be getting in the fact-checking game? It's a bad idea if you ask me, but it's perfectly legal for them to do. Uh, and just like this tweet uh, from a guy named Ryan Fournier, who I'm sure it will surprise no one to hear, uh, is the founder and chairman of Students for Trump and Turning Point Action. Breaking. President Trump has just categorized Twitter as a publisher, removing their legal immunities. This is huge. Twitter can now be held accountable for censoring conservative voices. Thank you, President Trump. Uh, of course, Twitter is not censoring voices. Uh, it is putting fact checks at the end of them sometimes. Uh, but anyways, that's not the point. Uh, here's another example of what I'm talking about. This is Charlie Kirk, uh, who says, Last July, I wrote about changing Section 230 of the Communications and Decency Act in an op-ed with the Washington Post. Today, I am very pleased to see President Trump is taking action on this. Again, these people have no problem using the government to force the silence of others. But, uh, it would seem... Uh, all these free speech warriors that are taking this position on Section 230, uh, and there are a lot of them, don't want the government, they say, they, they don't want the government dictating what you can or can't say, but they are okay with using the power of the state for cracking down on companies using their private, private property in ways they don't personally approve of. Look, for what it's worth... I don't like the way these digital media companies conduct themselves in this regard either. But you either believe in private property rights or you don't. You only believe in liberty when you believe people should be free to do things you don't personally approve of. Of course, the right to speak 
is part of living in a free society, a very important part. But cancel culture, boycotts, social stigma, free association, private property rights, and free markets are all also part of living in a free society. This is how free speech warriors have turned the very concept of the thing they claim to believe in, free speech, uh, into nothing more than a sad cliché. They carry on as if they are invoking the principles of liberty, when in fact, what they are doing is rejecting liberty. This is clear following that conservative shit show the, that happened on Flay Day last year, as I just showed a minute ago. If Republicans really think this executive order uh, is something that constitutes good government, that's perfectly fine. I disagree, but putting it forward in terms of good or bad government, wise or foolish action, better or worse, is to discuss this matter as a matter of personal opinion and policy preference. And those are points of view upon which reasonable people can disagree. But their current posturing uh, was summed up very well uh, in a tweet by uh, my friend Julian Sanchez when he said, This is a bad joke. To put out something like this executive order and disingenuinely wrap it up in the rhetoric of free speech is obscene. I couldn't agree more. It is entirely repugnant to everything uh, the, our Constitution and this republic stand for. Pretending this executive order has anything to do with free speech or First Amendment protections does not augur well uh, for our country uh, when this view is being expressed by those political actors who will say, and I think probably genuinely believe, that they are the defenders of the Constitution and that this move by the president is in furtherance of those ends. All right, well, that's going to do it for me here today. Uh, thank you very, uh, so very much for tuning in to Categorical Imperatives. Uh, remember, be looking out very soon uh, for my episode uh, where I will be interviewing Mike Meharry. That'll be up uh, soon after this one. Uh, and I would say if you like the show, uh, please uh, subscribe to the channel. I, I uh, am not putting out content right now on a uh, regular fixed schedule. I would like to start doing that eventually, uh, but for the meantime, uh, while I'm just putting it out more sporadically, uh, subscribing to the channel guarantees that when I put new stuff up that you will hear about it. Uh, and then I, I'd love to know what you think about this in uh, the comment section below. Let me know if you agree with me, if you disagree with me. Do you think this executive order is a good thing? Do you think it's terrible? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I would genuinely love to hear them. And then the last thing I would ask uh, is if you liked this episode uh, specifically here today, uh, if you would just take a minute and share it with two other people uh, who you think would be interested in hearing this content and this message as well. Uh, and if you would just pass that along to them, uh, I would really appreciate it. Uh, and we will be back uh, very soon with another episode of Categorical Imperatives. I have been Lockean Liberal. As always, Delenda S. Cartago. <laughs>